Jasmine Nicole, and you are listening to Seasoned Crime. Every week I come on and I bring you a story about a minority. On this podcast, I talk about the lesser known cases, the ones that aren't likely to be front page or show up all over your newsfeed. These stories are about people from all different races, religions, sexual orientations, age. We stretch out beyond the majority and we look for those stories that are just sitting in the shadows. Well, obviously, I'm back. After taking a week off, I went to Mexico for a little bit and it was everything and then some. I got the rest, I got the sun, and a full recharge that I was looking for. And now that I'm back, I came back in, you know, Texas weather, it went to like 50 degrees, but now... Um, a few days later, we just hit our first 90 degree day of the year. So, um, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy. I love the spring summer weather. Um, that is like my happy place. And so all is good. Let's go ahead. Let's, you know, uh, that was all I've been off for a week. So let's go ahead and jump into today's story. Before I took a break, I did the story of Sabina Nessa And if you haven't listened yet, it is a must. So once you finish this episode, let it keep playing and go into the last episode that was uploaded. In that story, I briefly mentioned Biba and Nicole as two women who had been killed in London prior to Sabina. I didn't really give any details on it because there was no way that I could briefly review their story in the middle of Sabina's. Sabina deserved her story to be told in full and so do these sisters. So that's what I'm going to bring for you today. We are going to remain in London for another week. And today, I am going to highlight the tragedy that was the murder of Biba Henry and Nicole Smallman. Biba Henry was a 46-year-old social worker who lived in Wimbledon, And Nicole Smallman was a 27-year-old freelance photographer who lived in Harrow. There are some sisters that are related, and maybe they see each other from time to time. And then there are the sisters that are actually friends and hang out with each other. Well, Biba and Nicole were the sister friends. Speaking from someone who is actually friends with their sister as well, I know exactly what this relationship was like. So on Friday, June 5th, 2020, about 7 p.m., the girls went out. Now, we're going to pause for a second and think back to June of 2020. The entire world was on a COVID lockdown. So for Biba's upcoming birthday, a typical party was out of the question. They weren't going to let a global pandemic stop them from celebrating. So along with the girls, a few of their friends went and had a party at Friant Country Park. They enjoyed, you know, picnic style food, you know, they had music out and were dancing and everyone was just outside having a good time. Not only were they celebrating another circle around the sun, but again, in 2020, that summer, I'm sure just being outside and getting some sun out of the house was a relief for everybody. They were having so much fun that after all of the friends left, the sisters decided to stay and hang out some more, just the two of them. 
The park was lit by fairy lights and they continued on with their music and dancing and they were just enjoying life. There would be pictures and videos that they captured on their phone that proved how great of a time that they were having. But sadly, those pictures and videos would be the last time that the girls would be seen alive. Saturday, June 6th, family and friends of the sisters were starting to get worried. They'd never come home after their night out. The family and friends were so worried that they called police and reported the girls as missing. The police, they took the report, but other than that, they didn't really seem to be too interested. But this did not detour the family because they knew for sure that something was wrong. So about 4 a.m. Sunday morning, 14 of the sisters' friends and families got together and they did a search around the park where the girls were last known to be. One of the people that were out searching was Nicole's boyfriend, Adam Stone, who was on the phone with police while he was out. He was talking to them about what was going on and telling them about the missing sisters, trying to convince them that something was wrong. While he was on the phone with police, the unthinkable happened. Now, everyone went out hoping to find the sisters, but when he actually stumbled upon the girls, he was anything but excited about this discovery. While still on the phone with police, Adam literally walked right into the lifeless bodies of both Biba and Nicole laying on the ground. When the police arrived to the scene, they immediately closed off the area and searched for any evidence they could find. They were able to gather some of the girls' belongings that had blood DNA on them, which was used for testing. About a month after the murders, DNA testing gave the police something. They didn't get an exact match, but there was a familial match. Based on that, police raided the home of what they would find to be the perpetrator's dad. And at the home, they would find exactly what they were looking for. And that is Daniel Hussein. Daniel Hussein from Barnett Grove in southeast London was only 19 years old at the time. He was on the autism spectrum, and according to neighbors, his dad was very concerned that he was starting to fall in with the wrong crowd. Even though Daniel was young, he was not unheard of to law enforcement. Between October of 2017 and May of 2018, when Daniel was only 15 years old, he was being monitored by the Prevent Strategy Team, which is the UK's counterterrorism unit. He caught their attention because he accessed very far-right material on the computer at his school. When police raided the home, they looked through everything they could find. And what they found showed that even though the Prevent Strategy Team had stopped looking into Daniel, he was still accessing some very concerning far-right information. But along with that, there was also a lot of satanist material as well. They found a record of a lot of videos that Daniel had spent time viewing that were hosted by a man named Matthew Lawrence, a.k.a. E.A. Coding, who was a jailed member of the satanist order of the Nine Angels. 
The videos were so concerning that after everything happened with this case, Matthew's videos were removed from social media. Daniel was active on a satanic internet forum, and that forum was led by, you guessed it, Matthew Lawrence. Daniel had been active on the site for about two years, logging in merely hours before his own arrest. Daniel was on the forum alleging that he was a psychic vampire and asking for advice about demonic packs. Matthew answered Daniel's request for advice and he stated that the pact should be entered to the demon Lucifuge, who, according to believers, is the head of the government in hell. The pact would need to be signed in blood and brought to Lucifuge with only candlelight and be organized for wealth. Daniel, he did just that. He put together a handwritten contract that he signed in his own blood. The contract was a pledge with Lucifuge to murder six women every six months, and in return, he would get a financial reward that would include winning the Mega Million jackpot. So, to make a long story short, this was a blood pact made with the demon as assurance that he would win the lottery. Just days before the sisters were murdered, Daniel prepared by ordering a set of knives, face masks, and some shovels from Amazon. He also set up a betting account with LottoGo.com, which runs bets on the Mega Million jackpot. Once he was ready, he took those items and he went walking through Friant Country Park, searching for female victims to help him carry out his plan of killing six women in six months. Along his search, he just so happened to come up on Biba and Nicole, who, remember, were still in the park, just the two of them, enjoying the night. Daniel stabbed both women to death, attempted to clear the crime scene, threw the girls' cell phones into a nearby pond, and then can be seen on CCTV going back to his dad's home. The following day after committing the murders, Daniel went to Northwick Park Hospital to get treatment for cuts on his right hand. He had gotten those cuts in the process of murdering the sisters, but when medical professionals asked what had happened, he told them that he had been mugged. The cuts were deep enough to require additional treatment, and the cops would later say that they strongly believe that if he hadn't obtained the extensive cuts that stopped him from being able to fully grip objects, that he would have continued on this killing spree. Even with this cut on his hand, it didn't stop him from carrying out another part of his pact. In the 10 days following the murders, he placed multiple bets on the betting site that he was on, spending the U.S. dollar equivalent of about $214 in total. His winnings ended up being absolutely nothing. Daniel was arrested and charged with two counts of murder. Once arrested, he told the police that he had Asperger syndrome and memory problems and refused to answer any questions at all. On March 11, 2021, Daniel pled guilty and trial started on June 9th of 2021. In court, Daniel was terrible. Detective Chief Inspector Simon Harding spoke about Daniel's behavior while on trial. He said, quote, 
he's shown complete disrespect to the court system, turning his back on the judge, trying to stare out the family, laughing, and sticking up loser signs. He's behaved like a teenage boy, but he's committed some of the most savage crimes we have seen for many years in one of the biggest police investigations we've had for a very, very long time. End quote. On July 6th, Daniel was convicted of both murders and given life with a minimum term of 35 years. Mrs. Justice Whipple, who at the time was the justice of the high court assigned to the Queen's division, spoke at the sentencing saying, quote, You committed these vicious acts. You did it to kill. You did it for money in a misguided pursuit of power. This was a calculated and deliberate course of conduct planned, and carried out with precision. Bizarre, though, the pact with the devil may appear to others. This was your belief system, your own commitment to the murder of innocent women. End quote. Another person who spoke out very loudly about this was Mina Smallman, the mother of the sisters. Not only is Mina their mother, but she is also the Church of England's first female archdeacon from a black and minority ethnic background. Mina voiced that she was not going to spend the rest of her life hating Daniel, but she also voiced concerns that she strongly believed that he would be further radicalized while he was in prison. No matter what, though, she was beyond distraught. She was quoted as saying, No one expects their children to die before them. But to have two out of your three children to be murdered on the same night is just incomprehensible. Mina had a lot to speak about with this. I mean, she lost two daughters. As if what she went through wasn't bad enough. She insisted that the Metro PD chief, Cressida Dick, resign after how the case of her daughters was handled. She said, quote, It made me think of the lynchings in the deep south of the USA, where you would see smiling faces around a hanging body. Those police officers felt so safe, so untouchable, that they felt that they could take photographs with our murdered daughters. The police officers dehumanized our children. End quote wait a minute, take photographs? What? That's right. I wish that everything that I told you so far was the end. Because it's already bad enough. I mean, anything more is, that itself is completely unthinkable. But sadly, it didn't stop there. As if Daniel, and everything that came with him, wasn't already hard enough to stomach, From the very moment that the bodies were found, the the police department itself seemed to just continue to sprinkle salt on the already open wounds. When the bodies of Biba and Nicole were found, two officers were assigned to guard them before they could be moved. P.C. Dennis Jafer, age 48, and 33-year-old P.C. Jamie Lewis were set to guard the scene. But that just wasn't enough excitement for them. These grown men in the police force decided that to pass time 
they would take out their cell phones and take pictures. Not only pictures of the bodies, but with the bodies. On June 8th, Dennis took four pictures of the bodies and Jamie took two selfie-style pictures with his face in the camera and the deceased bodies behind him in the background. The officers were in a WhatsApp group that was called the A-Team, which was comprised of about 41 different Met officers and employees. When Dennis and Jamie first arrived on the scene, one of them sent an article about the finding of the dead bodies and included a message saying, Unfortunately, I'm sat next to two dead birds full of stab wounds. Then, they would later post the pictures that they took of the bodies in the group chat as well. The photos would be leaked to the public eventually and be out for all, including the family, to see. This led to PC Dennis and Jamie being charged with misconduct And it also led to six other officers to be investigated for failing to either challenge or to report this when it happened. During the investigation, it was also discovered that Dennis used racist language regarding a completely separate case involving the assault of a South Asian man. The Independent Office for Police Conduct, also known as the IOPC, reported The investigation has uncovered further alleged misconduct breaches of the standards of professional behavior for a small number of officers, which includes honesty and integrity, inequality, and diversity. Both of the police officers pled guilty to misconduct in public office. Jamie was fired by the force, and Dennis quit before he could be fired. Judge Mark Lucraft presided over the case of the officers and he rejected an appeal for the officers to be tried separately. Judge Lucraft had no problem expressing his disgust with the officers during the trial. He called their conduct appalling and inexplicable. He believed that they completely disregarded the privacy of the victims for a cheap thrill or some form of bragging rights, and it undermined the trust and the faith in the police department. In December 2021, the officers were sentenced to two years and nine months in jail. We still have not talked about the full extent of the police misconduct in this case. The case of the officer misconduct was not the only thing that the IOPC investigated here. Remember when I said that the bodies were found because of a search done by the family and friends of the sisters? That's because police were never dispatched to the area. That's because the police logs were closed almost immediately after the sisters were first reported missing because they were given possible whereabouts for the sisters. It was found to be unacceptable service and an apology was issued to the family, but that apology was dismissed by Mina. She said, sorry is something you say when you comprehend the wrong that you have done and to take full responsibility for it. Demonstrating that by appropriate proportionate actions, which the Met Police have failed to do. Mina went out of her way to speak out 
making sure to get the word out and to raise awareness about the police misconduct and the failures. She said that she believed that racism played a part in why the coverage of these Black women's death was different from similar situations of stranger killings and of that of white women. August 3, 2021, a vigil for the sisters was held at the same park where they were murdered. This was organized by the group Reclaim the Streets, and it was attended by the Mayor of London, along with other notable figures. This case happened just a little over a year before Sabina was murdered by a random man while walking through a park. Again, all of those details are in our Sabina and Nessa show if you haven't listened already. March is Women's History Month. And just like I'd mentioned before in Sabina's episode, there's so much positive that we can talk about Women's History Month, but there's also the things that we don't talk about as much. I want to emphasize how just being a woman can literally be a matter of life and death. I'm not saying that these things don't happen to men, but the probability between the two are drastically different. The unexpected deaths of these women by strangers is something that no one should ever have to go through. And then in this case, just to have it drug out by incompetent police officers. The strength of Mina, the girl's mother, is unmatched. Our thoughts are with the family and friends of all of those who have been involved in these senseless killings that have been occurring. Things have to change. I thank all of you for once again taking the time out to listen to another minority highlight. Remember, if you haven't already, make sure you follow the show page at Seasoned Crime on IG and make sure you rate and subscribe and leave a comment on Apple Podcast. Thank you everyone for once again another great week and I hope you all have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Season Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.